kiddos can be dismissed and head on back to class. And if David, you can turn me down just a touch, please. We'll be in Luke chapter 11 today. Luke chapter 11. passage before, um, I'm pretty sure at least, I could not find <laughs> the sermon that I've preached on this passage before, but I feel like I've preached on this before, but maybe I haven't. Um, but nonetheless, we're preaching on it today. So Luke chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse number uh, 1. We'll read a few verses and then we'll pray, and uh, we're going to look at several verses in this chapter. But Luke chapter 11, starting in verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass... That is, he, that's Christ, was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we know this as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew as well records this, a slightly different phrasing um, on some of those verses, but the exact same idea uh, here as he's going through Christ preaching in the Sermon on the Mount um, goes through this. And, and, and I think that we've come today to kind of, at least in, in the, uh, um, the more... In our circles, we call it the model prayer versus the Lord's Prayer because sometimes people use it as all I have to do is quote this and I'm good. And no, it's, it's intended to be a model, not a recitation. And, uh, and so here we see, though, the desire from the disciples to learn how to pray. And I thought, well, if we're going to have a theme that is focused on prayer throughout the year, then we should probably make sure we know how to pray. And uh, so we're going to start with that today. Lord, I ask for your help as we, uh, as we dive into this new year um, with a desire to honor you, with a desire to see blessings in our church, um, with a desire to see us accomplish your will. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to be reminded of some things when it comes to prayer and even to learn some things today when it comes to prayer that will help us be impactful in our prayer life, that will help our church grow um, as a result of your help. Uh, so, Lord, we seek your help. I pray that I'd present this today clearly and correctly, and, Lord, that we would receive it as you'd have us to. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here a desire to pray as Christ prayed. Um, you can ask the question, well, what is it to pray? Uh, we want to please God, and, uh, and you do please God when you pray. When you have a faithful prayer life, when you are daily, uh, moment by moment, the Bible says pray without ceasing, uh, moment by moment in prayer, God is pleased by that. Um, but what should we pray for? Uh, how can I receive the request that I'm praying or how can I pray effectively? Because that's probably an area that I, someone who grew up in church, someone who grew up in a Christian home, someone who grew up around a lot of preaching, it took me some time in my life to kind of understand that prayer is such a powerful tool when used. 
So how can I pray in a way where I get what I'm praying for? Uh, right? Because when you're a kid and you're saying, Dad, can I have this? You usually have in your head already what Dad's going to say, yes or no. Now, Camden, he always uh, precedes any question with, I know what you're going to say. I always think, well, then why are you asking? Uh, and I think he's trying to trick me into saying the opposite of what he thinks I'm going to say. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, but when we pray, are we praying expecting to receive what we're praying for? I have prayed for health issues for myself and for other people. And the expectant of my prayer was that God would answer the request. That he would heal who I'm asking him to heal. And I've seen God do that. I've also seen God not do that. Um, I have prayed at times uh, for someone who was um, incredibly sick and, and maybe even considered on their deathbed. And I admit that when I prayed, I thought God's not going to heal them. But I was still asking for God to heal them. But in my mind, I was, I was doing what Canaan does. God, I know what you're going to say. But would you heal this person? But you know what? I've also prayed for someone who was on their deathbed and God did answer. I mean, I saw someone whose family was called in and said, not going to survive the night. And then the next day they were doing better than they had done since their injury. And so my desire is, and that's when I began to realize, by the way, I would have been 12 or 13, I think at the time, but that's when I began to realize, wow, this prayer thing works. And so I look at our church and I say, okay, well, God, I want our church to take steps forward. And, and that doesn't just mean, I do want us to grow numerically, but that's not the only thing that I'm, that I'm thinking of when I say I want our church to move forward. I, I want us to have a deeper relationship with God. I want us to have a closer relationship with each other. I want us to be more impactful in the ministries that we do. And so, so in praying that, I know that God is capable. I know that God is able. And I believe that God desires the same thing for our church. And so I'm praying with that understanding that, God, I, I expect you to answer this prayer. And so praying effectively has some of that into it. And we'll get to that more in a moment. But here the disciples say to God, they say, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Some of these disciples of, of Christ were first disciples of John. And if you know anything about John, John the Baptist, John was uh, related to Christ, and he was uh, like we read about with Samson, where God said, here is the purpose for your existence from before you're born. And he said, and he said to John's parents, and, and eventually to John, and you're to go before Christ, and lead the way to point people to Christ. And John's whole ministry, if you read about John in Scripture, his whole ministry was just pointing people to Jesus. Now listen, if you have a preacher who points to himself, he's the wrong person to be sitting under. All right, The, the goal of any proclaimer of Scripture, the goal of anyone who should proclaim the truth of God's Word, should be to point people to Christ. And that's what John did. And he pointed people to Christ. And John was a faithful prayer. And he taught his followers how to pray. And so now the disciples were with Christ, and they would watch Christ pray. In verse number one, Christ was praying. And they waited until there was a break in the prayer. And they said, would you teach us to pray like John used to teach us to pray? 
Like John used to teach his disciples to pray. John's prayers were full of petitions and requests. They were seeking things, seeking Christ's coming. They were seeking things. Now, the Jewish religious leaders' prayers were mainly praises, uh, where they were just lifting up praise to God, which is good, but there's more to praying than that. Christ's prayers, as the disciples watched Christ pray, were much more similar to John's prayers, I believe, but they encompassed even deeper and seemed to be as impactful or, I believe, more impactful than what John's were. I believe that John's followers, when they saw John pray, they understood there was something special. And that's the same true with Christ's disciples. Now think about this for a second. Who was Christ? Christ is God. He was made manifest in the flesh. He's he's the uh, God and man. He is 100% God, 100% man. And he left heaven. He came to earth. He came for a purpose. Thank God he came for a purpose. And he came to seek the lost and to give opportunity for the gospel, for salvation. And he came and he did just that. But he's praying. Who's he praying to? He's praying to himself. Now think about this for a minute. I know this can be confusing. I don't mean to confuse you or, or cause you to question today, but... The Trinity is one of those things, I get it, but I also am looking forward to getting to heaven and, and, and gaining a much deeper understanding of what in the world it is. All right, So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one are the same thing. So Christ is God the Son, made flesh, and praying to, well, people would say he's praying to God the Father. Well, yes, he is, but he's the three in one. It's him. He's praying to himself. So think for a second, if Christ would pray and pray effectively and impactfully in such a way where the disciples are sitting there watching him and going, I want to pray like that. All right, so now we've got this, these disciples who are saying, okay, Christ was praying and he's God, he's praying to God and he is God and, and all these things going on. Yet Christ's prayers, man, they were being answered. I need a lot of different prayers. And we look at one of the more famous prayers that Christ prayed. Um, there's a few of them, but they came around his, his, his crucifixion. Right? Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Uh, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, these are, these are deep, meaningful, impactful prayers. But before that, we don't get a lot of what Christ said in these prayers. All we know is the disciples watched him pray. And they said, can you teach us to pray? John used to teach his disciples to pray. Would you teach us, your disciples, to pray? So uh, what are they asking in detail? Well, are they asking, um, you know, you know, I mean, what are we supposed to pray for? Or what are we supposed to say when we pray? What are we uh, supposed to do to get the prayers answered that we're praying? Um, you know, are we supposed to kneel? Are we supposed to stand? Are we supposed to walk? Are we supposed to lay down? Are, you know, all these different questions. I don't know. They, they just simply say, teach us to pray. So I ask, before we get into the outline this morning, what are your prayers like? Is there any depth to your prayers? Are they being answered? Are you even praying? Now, prayer is a major part of the earthly life of Christ. And Christ is our ultimate example. So if he prayed, 
And we're supposed to pray. And he prayed often, so we're supposed to pray often. And the disciples wanted to pray as Christ prayed. So they asked him, or dare we say they prayed, Lord, teach us to pray. And that should be our prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray often. Teach me to pray effectively. Teach me to pray in a way that honors you. And Christ says, okay, I'll teach you. And he gives us here in scripture how to pray. First thing that I want us to look at this morning is uh, pray for help in your prayer life. It's in verse number one when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. That should be our prayer. So you need to pray and ask God to help you in your prayer life. Now, if you feel like your prayer life is top notch, better than everyone else's, um, no one can pray better than you, then you need to pray for humility. But everyone else needs to pray that God will help in our prayer life. Lord, make my prayer life better. We all have excuses for why we don't pray more. We all have reasons for why we don't um, uh, do more in our prayer life. I hope that you have a daily time that you pray um, I, know that, I know people who pray, uh, have their prayer time, their dedicated prayer time in the shower. I know people have their dedicated prayer time on their drive to work. I know people have their dedicated prayer time in the morning before everybody else gets up. I know people have their prayer time at night before they go to bed. You need to have a time that is dedicated, that is set apart for the sole purpose and the sole focus on prayer. And your first prayer needs to be, God, help me in my prayer life. And the disciples had that part down, thankfully. Somebody, whether it was the group talking, said, man, we need to learn how to pray like that. And someone goes, well, we should ask him. Well, you should ask him. Well, no, you should ask him. And someone finally got up and said, Lord, teach us to pray. But they finally did it. So then we get into the model prayer that's given to us here. And the model prayer points us to several things. First of all, it points us to God and the person that God is. Verse number two, it says, and, and he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. It teaches us who God is, the Father's person, our Father. When you think through it, of all the names that are given to God, there is none greater than the name our Father. There are all these different names that God has. You can look through the Old Testament, you can see them. You see some in the New Testament too. There is not one name greater for God than our Father. The relational aspect of God is given here in this prayer. And this prayer is pointing us to remind us that when we pray, we're praying to our Father. Now, what is a father? Now, I admit there are some that don't have good fathers. And I, and I hate that. I really do. It's sad. If you look throughout society, you will find that the most problemed people are the people who do not have good fathers. Mothers are important. They're crucial. They're, they're incredibly helpful. They, they are needed in the home. But if you look through problems of society, you'll find it's the people who do not have a solid, good father. And I'm not even talking about Christian, necessarily. That definitely helps. But just someone who had a, a father who was good, they turn out oftentimes uh, better givers to society, just better people as a whole, uh, those who've had a solid father. Well, as Christians, yes, we have our earthly father, but we have a heavenly father 
who is far better than any earthly father. So what does that say about how we should turn out? And when you're praying, one of the first things that you're supposed to do when you pray is acknowledge who God is to you, and he is your father. It's a relationship that is full of love, provision, protection. When you're praying to someone who loves you and provides for you and protects you, does that not make your prayers a little bit more confident? It should. And where is our Father? Well, he's in heaven, it says. Uh, our Father, which art in heaven. So we see his position. Where he sits. Where he resides. In heaven. Above all. In a perfect place. And it says, hallowed be thy name. This is a deep respect, a deep reverence, not careless. Uh, one of the more disappointing um, memes probably not the right word, but things that I've seen is people making fun of churches, and they. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming this happens somewhere just because people are making fun of it. But where they, uh, the preacher refers to God as Daddy God. I don't know if you've seen these or not. It's it's quite disturbing. Um, uh, and and so hopefully they're just mocking something else and not someone who actually said this. But if they did, hopefully not. But there's no reference in that. When we're praying to God, yes, he's our father, but understand who he is and give reverence and respect and don't be careless when you're going to God. Uh, you hear the phrase a lot, the man upstairs. I was talking to the man upstairs. Now, I know I grew up in the South in religious areas, Bible Belt, all that good stuff. But I'll tell you what, there are a few things that make me cringe than someone calling God the man upstairs. I've heard preachers throughout my life talk about when you're talking about your own father, don't call him the old man. Now, is it against the Bible to call him the old man? No. Um, and, and does your dad care? You'd have to ask him. But it's just not... There's not a respect <coughs> seemingly in that name. So I don't call my dad the old man. Now granted, it's, again, I was, uh, I, had, I heard a sermon, you know, not if the sermon wasn't on this. It came up, it was about, I believe, honoring your parents. But, uh, uh, but it came up and I've never forgotten it. I don't call my dad the old man. I have called my dad old uh, to his face, but not, uh, um, <laughs> but I have not called him the old man. So I've been disrespectful, just not in this way. And, uh, but listen, when we're praying to God, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the respect and reverence that God deserves when you're praying. We've talked a lot about God being worthy and the worthiness of God. And when we go to God, the importance of understanding what he's worthy of, our worship, um, our respect, our praise, all of those things. And we have to understand that when we're praying, when we pray, Look at the relationship that you have with God. His love, his provision, his protection for you. Know his position that he's in heaven and give a deep reverence and respect to who he is. Don't be careless with prayer. Now I've said, and you've heard me say it just recently about salvation. In order to pray for salvation, you don't have to have the magic words and there's not this prayer that's just 
magical. And the same is true with this model prayer. It's not a magic prayer where you can just pray it every day and everything will be fine. It's not how it's intended to be. Okay, but don't be careless with your prayers. I have prayed quick prayers, and I think that's fine. Don't be careless with your prayers. Have a little respect. Now, have a lot of respect to who you're praying to, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then we see the purpose in this prayer as well, God's purpose. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. We see here the, the Father's purpose uh, given to us in this model prayer. His will be done in heaven and in earth. When we're praying, I believe wholeheartedly the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to seek God's will. Now this is where I have failed. And what I was talking about earlier, someone who is deathly ill and you sit there again, the, the doctors have given them weeks, months to live, days to live. And you pray and you say, God, please heal this person. Now if you're like me, You've prayed that prayer, and in your mind, you're saying, God's not going to heal this person. And so the escape <laughs> that I have in my prayers is, Lord, if it's your will. Right? Now, when I say that oftentimes, I'm saying it because I don't believe God is going to answer my request. Now, God's will is going to. I don't think we need to necessarily pray, God, if it's your will, do this. Because God's will is going to be done. But I do believe we need to pray with an understanding that we're um, submitting to the will of God. God, here is my desire. And we pray that. And if God does not answer that request to the way that we prayed it, we have to understand as long as it was done according to God's will, I will submit to it. So, Lord, my desire is that you heal this person. God, that's, that's what I want. And if God chooses not to heal that person, I need to be understanding and submitted to the fact that God's will is going to be accomplished. And, and, and in that prayer and being submiss submissive to God's will, it protects me from bitterness. It protects me from anger at God. It doesn't necessarily protect me from the, the hurt that comes with losing someone you love. But it protects me from becoming bitter and angry to where now I refuse to do anything that God wants me to do. His will is going to be accomplished. I need to pray in submission to that will. I don't think it's wrong if you, if you pray, Lord, if it's your will, do this. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But if you use it like I use it as a cop-out for not having faith that God's going to answer, you've got to cut that out. I've got to cut that out. I'm praying in faith that God will do as I'm asking him to do in submission to his will and his desire. So I pray for my desire in submission to God's desire. And whatever God wills will be done. And both in heaven, by the way, and earth in totality. We've been looking in Revelation a lot at heaven. 
um, as we're looking at the seals and things like that. And we see everything in God's control in heaven. And now we've turned and we're looking at the things on earth and we're seeing God's uh, uh, sovereignty and God's control over the things on earth. And as we do that, we begin to understand his will be done in heaven and in earth. Everywhere. God's will will be accomplished. Then we see it goes on and we see God's provision in verse number uh, three. Give us day by day our daily bread. Uh, it's, it's important that we pray daily for the needs that we have daily. So this is talking about the, um, I believe, and we're going to get to it more in a second, but I, I believe this is the daily provision, the food, the, the housing, the uh, material needs that we have need of. All right, we talked about this a little bit recently. I don't remember if it was last week or recently. We talked about this idea of, it was last week, where we say, I need this, but the reality is we just want that. We don't need it. All right, so we're talking about the daily needs that we have. So give us our provision, the provision for the food that we need, the clothing that we need, the job that we need, the housing that we need, this daily provision uh, here. Lord, help me to win the lottery. That's not a daily need. People say, okay, God says, um, whatsoever you ask, I will give. Lord, make me a millionaire. Oh, he's never done it. That verse isn't true. <laughs> First of all, it's not God's will. It ain't going to happen. Second of all, that goes right back to 1 Timothy that we looked at last week. The love of money is the root of all evil and everything that goes along with that as well. But no, no, if he makes me a millionaire, I'll use it for God's, for, for good. I've heard that. I've heard more guys in Bible college say, I'm going to go get rich and I'm going to go take care of missionaries and I'm going to go take care. And you know what? The ones that became rich aren't doing it. Most of them aren't rich, but the ones that did become rich, they're not doing it. They're not even faithful in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And so we see here this provision of God that we need to be praying for is the daily bread. It's the daily needs. God continued to provide for us the things that we need. Provide for us work. Provide for us provision through that job. Provide for us food. Lord, give us the things that we need. It's important that we have the things that we need. And God wants you to have the things that you need. So ask for it. And we see the Father's pardon in the beginning of verse number 4. He says, and forgive us our sins, uh, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Um, we see here two things in the first part of verse 4. We see seeking mercy and giving mercy. He starts in the prayer as, Lord, forgive us our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we're taught throughout Scripture, not just in this verse, we're taught throughout Scripture, and Christ focuses on it in his teachings, that we're supposed to be forgiving other people. And if we refuse to forgive other people, we should not expect forgiveness from God. Now, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't click, you're going to live a long, miserable life. Because we'll go to God and we'll say, God, forgive me for this sin. While we're bitter and angry at someone else. Now here's the deal. You say, well, God said if we confess, he's faithful to forgive. Yes, but are you confessing your sin if you're not confessing your bitterness? You see, we're missing out on the full blessings of God that First John teaches us about 
if we're, if we're holding on to a grudge, and we're bitter, and we're angry, and we're upset, and we refuse to forgive someone for the hurt that they caused us, and we anticipate God, who, by the way, was more hurt by me than any other person that I've ever hurt. Nothing that I've done to anyone else in all of my life has gotten them nailed to a cross. But my sin put Christ on the cross. He has the right. He's the only one that has the right to withhold forgiveness. And he says here in your prayers, when you pray, seek forgiveness and give forgiveness. Seek mercy and give mercy. You cannot be right with God and be wrong with people. You just can't. And so he tells us. It's worded slightly different in Matthew, but it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same prayer. When he says, forgive us our debts, and Matthew says, as we forgive our debtors. Same thing here, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Seek mercy give mercy in your prayers. Uh, then we see the Father's protection there at the end of verse number five, four, excuse me, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One preacher said, we are living in a perilous world and we are made of highly flammable material. Uh, there is temptation all around us. There is uh, attacks, spiritual warfare, this constant just beating on us to sin. So when it comes to temptation, we're praying, God, protect us. Through prayer, God will protect us from temptations that we cannot overcome. Or the Bible uses the word withstand. So we're praying, God, protect us. And through the, one, the temptations that we can't withstand, God will deliver us through that prayer. And the ones that we can withstand, God will deliver us by leading us through the temptation. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Something clicked with me in this verse. I don't know about you. Have you ever prayed? You've, you've had a sin that you've struggled with. and You've prayed, God, help me to get victory over this sin. And he does for a time, uh, a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever it may be. And then you fall back into the sin. You think, well, God, God, I've already asked you to help me with this. God, I've already sought your victory, your help and victory over this sin. And we come to this point and we just start getting frustrated with God because we're saying, God, you said you won't allow me to be in temptation, which I can't, cannot withstand. And yet here I am, I'm still in this temptation. And it finally clicked with me. It's because I can withstand. And God can lead me through it. The problem is, is I stop depending on God to lead me through it. And I fall into myself. What? Listen, if you sin continually, same sin, continually, you can't get victory over it. Let me ask you, if you've been, if you've been in this situation, I would assume we have. 
When you're struggling with that sin, are you faithful in your Bible reading? Are you faithful in your prayer life? Are you faithful in your church attendance? Now listen, I know people who, who sin and were in church and they sin consistently and they sin consistently and they sin. And maybe no one else knew about it for a time. And man, they just lived in that sin, lived in that sin. But listen, they weren't, if, if they were seeking victory over it, um, they, were not, they were not doing what was necessary to get the victory over it. What does the Bible tell us? It says, well, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Okay, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but do we have on the whole armor of God? Are we fully protected? Listen, if we're not fully protected, we're going to get hit. Satan finds your weakness. Am I praying? Am I reading? Am I getting the, the amount of Bible that I need in my life, which would include church? If not, I'm being weakened. I have pieces of my armor that aren't there. And Satan's going to find it. And he's going to knock it down. Listen, if you're being tempted and you seek God for victory and you're still being tempted, guess what? You can withstand with God's help. Because God's not going to lead you into a temptation. Allow a temptation into your life that you can't get victory through. That he can't lead you through, through it all. Um. This is the best example I can think of, and so, um, so I apologize. Back in the day, when I was a teenager, way back in the day, we used to go to the mall. You guys know what these are? Buildings, lots of stores inside. And um, I don't know why in the world you'd go to a mall in our area, because I, I'm scared to walk into the mall in Lexington, so I don't go. But um, nonetheless, when I was, remember, teenage boy Vince, okay, there were... There was a store that when you walked by it, you had to look the other way. Everybody with me on this? All right. So you're walking through. If you're walking just with friends and you're 14 years old, you know the store because everybody starts going. Okay. If you're walking with your parents, you know the store because everybody, including dad, is looking this way. To pass the store. And then you're told, you're good. All right, good. All right. Made it. Survived it. Okay, now listen. I know it's a silly illustration, but that's what God does for us. If we can withstand it, he'll help us turn our heads and walk, keep walking. And if we can't withstand it, guess what? He won't take you to the mall. It, it's, it's, a, it's a silly illustration, but I hope it helps. God's not going to put you in. Allow a temptation to come into your life that he cannot lead you through. If you can't withstand the temptation and you say, God, I need your help. Deliver me from evil. God will. But if the temptation still comes, you need to understand. God says, I'll lead you through it. I'll walk you past it. But you still got to lean on God. and You still got to pray and ask God and seek God's help. Lord, now lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes in here, we'll do this quickly, the practical examples of prayer, verses 6 through 8, he says, pray constantly. For a friend of mine in his journey has uh, uh, come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Uh, for, and he from within shall, an, uh, sorry, shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, Yet, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So he says here, 
as an example of practical prayer and praying constantly. He says, a friend comes by late at night, hey, I need something to eat, and the guy inside the house says, go away, I'm sleeping, my kids are asleep, I cannot help you. And it says, though he won't get up because he's got a friend at his door, what kind of friend is he? But uh, he's not getting up because he's a friend, but he will get up if the guy keeps knocking. If he doesn't stop, that's importunity. Um, it is persistence, it's shamelessness. And so he says in verse number nine, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. He says, pray constantly, pray constantly, pray constantly. Verse 10, for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Just keep asking, be shameless in your prayer. Don't stop, just keep going. Pray expectantly there in verse number nine and 10 where it says, ask and it shall be given, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open because everyone that asks receives and everyone that seeks finds and everyone that knocks, the door is open. Pray expecting God to answer and pray faithfully. Verse number 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, uh, for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, wicked, nasty, vile, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You need to ask, uh, pray faithfully, because God is faithful. If a dad who is wicked Will take care of his children how much more will your heavenly father give and here specifically says the holy spirit which is what we need the most of to them that ask see god wants to give you good things if we as a church pray constantly expectantly faithfully for the church what will the church look like in 12 months if we as families pray constantly expectantly and faithfully for our families what will our families look like in 12 months if we individually pray constantly, expectantly, and faithfully, what will we look like in 12 months? Don't just pray. Uh, pray for growth in your prayer life. Seek learning from God on how to pray. So that as we pray it forward, uh, we're praying actually it forward. We're moving forward. We're growing uh, and we're gaining in knowledge and wisdom from God. I encourage you this year. And I encourage you to start the day asking God, Lord, teach me to pray. God, help us. We have good people in the room today. We have people who are faithful in church. We have people who have given in their life, time, energy, finances. Uh, people who have loved you and, and served you. Lord, I pray, though, that we would understand the need in our life to grow. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our prayer life, that it would be exactly what you want it to be. God, help us to pray constantly. Help us to pray expectantly. Help us to pray faithfully. Lord, I pray that you would uh, grow our prayer life in a way this year that we get to see life-changing God moments of answered prayer, that we see, as you say in Jeremiah, that you'll show us uh, greater things than we'd even thought of, that we even know, we've ever seen. 
Lord, I pray that this year through our prayers, you would do that within our church. Lord, through our prayers, you'd do that within our families. And God, through our prayers, that you'd do that within each of us individually. So Lord, not only do we ask your help, Lord, we ask that you'd teach us to pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed,